Welcome to WBOA Courtside, an educational discussion into basketball officiating. We'll cover a wide variety of topics, from breaking down rules, discussing officiating philosophies, and interviewing top-level officials and administrators. Whether you are new to basketball officiating, an experienced veteran, a coach, or basketball fan, WBOA Courtside provides unique insights and perspectives into the world of basketball officiating. WBOA Courtside is produced by the Wisconsin Basketball Officials Association, an organization focused on the education, training, and development of officials in Wisconsin. You can access all our podcasts, educational materials, and how to become a basketball official at WISBOA.net. All opinions expressed on today's podcast doesn't reflect the opinions of the Wisconsin Basketball Officials Association or its members. Now it's time for WBOA Courtside. Welcome in to WBOA Courtside. I'm Lance Lusenegger along with Justin Marion and happy to have you along for the ride today as the topic of discussion are mechanics. And of course, mechanics, there are good mechanics, there are not so good mechanics, but there are always ways to get better. Our guest this week is known as one of the best guys when it comes to mechanics in the game. He's been in a basketball official for 20 years, three trips to the state tournament in Wisconsin, a correction, two in Wisconsin and one in Florida, 15 years as a college official, including three trips to the Division Three men's basketball tournament. It is Dave Garish who joins us here tonight on the WBOA courtside. And Dave, thank you so much for the time. As we record this, I see you shaking your head. Come on, you're known for having great mechanics. What do you uh, don't sell yourself short? That's debatable, Lance. <laughs> well, we think you do have good mechanics, and that's why we're bringing you on to talk about it here on the program this week. And I guess when we're talking mechanics, we're talking about the signals that you make when there's a, a violation or a foul. What are good goals to have when you're talking about mechanics in the basketball officiating world? Yeah, so mechanics mean a couple different things. Mechanics are the necessary tool that place officials in the proper position to enforce the rules, and then communicate the infractions. Mechanics are more than just signals. It's how we communicate. First off, you have to be able to know the rules. If you don't know the rules, you can't enforce the rules. So it's very important that first off, you know the rules. Second part of mechanics is that you're in proper position. Okay, We want to be in the proper position to make the proper call. And the last thing is that with mechanics, we communicate with our partner, we communicate with the coaches, we communicate with the players, we communicate with the scores table, and we communicate with all the spectators. So it's really important that we have proper mechanics so that we can do all those things. So Dave, some, some of our mechanics, and particularly signaling, is, is an ability to have some believability or, or to have a little sale. Some of the things an official can do to separate themselves, have some believability, and, and really showcase some strong mechanics or how would you describe that? There's different words that I would say. Um, strong comes to mind. Strong mechanics. Crisp. Sharp. But it also has to look natural. So you have to use the mechanics according to your personality. That is the art of officiating. And we got to make sure that we are using our mechanics to fit our personality so that we come across as being believable. Now, is there a place, Dave, for non-Federation mechanics to be used in the communicate uh, in a situation, you know, in a game where 
maybe there's a, you know, an infraction or a violation that happens and you need to kind of go off script. Is there ways that you should use those non-Federation approved mechanics? I think there may be a time where you can get away with it, but you got to really be careful. Okay. Uh, the, the proof signals are there for a reason. And the more that you add to it, it just could create confusion between all the people that I said that we had to communicate with. So if we're going to do something, we might supplement uh, a signal with something, but we got to really be careful not to implement, you know, NBA signals or college signals into the high school game. Dave, what might be an example of where somebody might do this and walk it through the, the sequence for maybe somebody not familiar? If you are reporting a foul, like a hit to the head, you're going to signal uh, illegal contact, whereas the hit across the arm, and then you might supplement it with a hand toward your face, showing that it was a hit, got hit in the face, and whatever we're doing, shooting two shots or whatever. Awesome. So always the, the proper mechanic sequence first and any supplemental material in rare situations. Correct. And you're just adding additional information, additional communication to help clarify what exactly happened. You know, maybe it's a hold where you're going to signal a hold. And then right after that, you're going to grab your, maybe your, your uniform to show that, hey, it was a hold. Player had a hold of the jersey. Um, and again, that's just additional information. Awesome. So it might help with the believability and the perception um, to help communicate. So in the inverse situation, what are some signals or mechanics that you see folks using that really should not be used pretty much in any situation? Something I used to see back a while back I think we gotten away from it as a tip ball. Anytime the ball was tipped, the, the officials would signal tip ball. And I think we got away from that, which is good because we don't need to do that every time a ball is is, uh, is tipped. It is an approved signal that you can do to can signal that. Um, however, it's not necessary unless you have a feeling that it's going to impact the play. So if the ball's tipped and going toward the division line, now maybe I'm going to signal the tip ball so that my partner knows that ball is deflected and the team can recover it and we don't blow um, an over and back when it, the team could legally uh, recover the ball. Another one that we see is for block shots. So every time a shot's blocked, um, either it's a tip. Sometimes I think we just get ourselves into trouble by um, doing those unnecessary signals. Talking mechanics here with Dave Garish on WBOA courtside. We're three-person officiating crew here. What is the proper mechanic for a three-person officiating crew for a last-second shot, Dave? And, and what would you suggest if it's a close call before officials leave the court? Is there anything additional that they should work on here as a, as a crew? Yeah, for three-person officiating, uh, the person responsible for the last-second shot is the person who is opposite the table. Now, in some of the gyms that we work in, this kind of creates a difficult situation for us, depending on where the scoreboards are located. Um, it's sometimes difficult for that official to see the clocks. Um, so I think that it's really important in a three-person crew that everybody has an opinion on the play, okay? Have an opinion whether the ball was released in time or it wasn't. 
And it's vital that we get the play right because the game is over. Okay? We don't have a, an opportunity to, to correct anything. So I would encourage the crew to get together and get the play right. Everybody have an opinion. And if I was on the game, I would get the crew together and do it real quick. Justin, what you got? I had it good. How certain are you? I'm 50% certain. Okay, Lance, what do you got? I had it good. How certain are you? I'm about 90% certain. Okay, that's about where I'm at. Let's score it and let's get out of here. Um, but everybody should have an opinion on the play, um, even if it's not your last shot, second responsibility. So, Dave, we got a foul. Walk us through the, the kind of mechanics of how it's done. There's some sequence to it. Uh, you said it earlier. We're, we're telling a story. We're helping communicate. It's it's the language spoken in the game of basketball to your partners, to your players, to the coaches, to the crowd. What makes that decision and ruling important in the mechanics and, and signaling delivery of it? Yeah, you know, everybody wants to sit in the stands and think that they can go officiate, and then they get on the court and they're like, holy cow, there's a lot more to it. And they're right, there is a lot more to it. You know, so when we, when we call a foul and it's a shooting foul, it's your show, okay? It starts with a strong whistle, okay? If you want to be believable, you got to have a strong whistle. If it is a, a weak whistle, that's going to create doubt in everybody else's mind and um, probably provide more conflict for you. So strong whistle. From that, I think it's very important that you hustle from your spot towards the table, okay? Move with a purpose. Get there. Come to a stop. Again, it's your show. Make eye contact with the scorer and report what happened. So white, 24, hold, two shots. When you project strength, when you're reporting, it's a lot more believable. And it's going to bring a calm to the game, to the coaches, to the players, to the fans that, hey, this ref knows what they're doing, okay? Um, and it might help you later in the game, you know, when you get a, a very difficult call because you've established that credibility. But again, strong whistle, move with a purpose, eye contact, project strength, and communicate what happened. You see a couple different situations where somebody might put their fist up, right, to signal that it's a shooting foul, well, at the same time, with the other hand, signaling two shots or maybe singling a wave off or signaling a block. Is there a preferred or better projection um, to do one after the other and two hands? Or what, what do you think is the best practice kind of at that spot to help the believability? Um, I think you got to do it what fits your personality. Okay. Me personally, I do it one hand, close fist for a foul, pause for a second. And if there's doubt whether it's a shooting foul or not, then I'll acknowledge two shots. Okay. But if there, if it's an obvious shooting foul and everybody in the gym knows it, I don't really have to sell that, that it's two shots. Okay. So I'm just going to do whoop, go. And if I go past my partner, maybe I'm going to say, Hey, two shots as I'm on my way to the table. Um, because that's going to help 
when there's the the plays that was he shooting, was he not shooting, and you bang the foul and pause for a second. Two. Now everybody knows, hey, we're shooting two. Um, so I, I would say time and place. Um, and then also just do what fits for you, for your personality. Um, I think that the more arms and hands that are involved, I think sometimes it gets more confusing. So that's why I just prefer one hand signaling the foul. And then if it's two shots, pause for a second and then signal two. So on a, on a, a no shot, you would use two hands to wave off the shot or a blocking foul after fists. So they're separate signals. Correct. We always hear from Ken Kester each year, and he was on one of our podcasts earlier this year talking about using your voice. And from hearing you here today, Dave, it sounds like you think uh, using your voice is good, right? To supplement good mechanics. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of the way that we communicate is nonverbal, but we still do communicate verbally. And we on the basketball court is no different. Okay, we have to still be able to communicate verbally. And if I had a voice like you, Lance, I would use it way more. Oh, you're, uh, you're funny. Uh, <laughs> let's go through a few scenarios and uh, the best mechanics to use uh, and to use in each and one of these. So can you kind of touch the best mechanics for each of the following situations? And we'll go through a couple here. Just two-point shot versus a three-point signal, I guess. what would you, What's your spot there if it's a close call? Close call, I am pointing to the ground if it is a two-point shot. That is acknowledging that, yep, I saw it. He's on the line. I'm pointing right to it, acknowledging that I saw it, and it's a two-point shot. Um, if it's a three-point shot, my hand is going up in the air for everybody to see that it's a three-point shot. How about um, when and where to not put the ball down at timeouts? Is that something that you focus on with mechanics? Yeah, I mean, you put the ball down in – and it's gone when you turn around and find it, right? But um, the ball, though, if you have something else to take care of, the ball will find its way back to the game, okay? So if there's something else to go do and you have, you have to go over the scores table to, to fix a scoring error or whatever, by all means, do that, okay? Also, with timeouts, it's very important that we get toward moving towards where the players are crossing, um, a lot of times there's a lot of energy. Maybe a team just went on a run. Our team is frustrated because of that. Timeout was called. Players are going to their benches and they're crossing. And it, it's a opportunity for players um, to create conflict, um, create a scuffle, whatever it is. Your presence is a powerful thing. Move towards that and it's going to deter a lot of stuff, and it's going to bring um, the players back down to where they need to be. Just hold the ball and stand where the ball is supposed to be inbounded at. What about officials who bounce the ball to themselves between inbounds plays or before inbounds plays or free throws? I feel like that's going to be a pet peeve of Dave's, but maybe not. What do you think, Dave? It really doesn't bother me. What? To be oh, breaking news. So it is a it is a pet peeve for a lot of people. I've been yelled at for it. I've been told it at camps, whatever, and I try not to do it. I don't do it too often. If I do do it, it's always just a singular bounce and then give the ball off. But um, I try not to do it. And, yes, it is a 
maybe it's a Kester pet peeve. I don't know. Yeah, Dave, talk about when there's a time maybe at the spot to, to sell a call. You talked about it earlier in terms of two shots, but maybe a block charge comes to mind. Uh, is there never an opportunity where we can go too far and we're overusing a cell? Yeah, absolutely. I was always told, keep something in your back pocket so that you can use it when you need it because you never know when you're going to need it. So if you go and sell something early in the game that doesn't need to be sold, later in the game when you need to sell something, you're out of luck because maybe you got the first one wrong and now you don't have anything else to, to help sell your call. So I was always told, keep something in your back pocket just in case you need it uh, to help sell that call late in the game. Uh, Dave, we have a wide variety of officials that are listening to our podcast, uh, veteran to first year to maybe, you know, under five years of experience. What advice or instance would you give these officials to to really help them in a positive manner with their mechanics and the use of their mechanics? Because uh, I'll be honest, I've been officiating for 15 years and I'm always working on getting better at it, right? It's something that just doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lot of reps, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um Practice, practice, practice. And you can be your own self-critic. You can watch yourself on video. You can watch yourself in the mirror. But practice. Okay, This is the art of officiating. This is how you can advance yourself. Set yourself apart from other officials. There's so many officials in the WBOA that are such good um, play callers. Watch them. Watch their mechanics, take things that you like from them and apply them to your game, especially if they fit your personality. Okay. Um, I would encourage people to be decisive. Okay. I, I think mechanics become strong and crisp when we're decisive. When we're not sure, it's already a, a, a signal of weakness. Okay. So, um, be decisive. Make a decision. You are the enforcer of the game. Okay, We enforce the rules. Be decisive. Make a decision. Look confident. Confidence comes from knowing the rules and then knowing the rules, how to apply those rules. I think that helps you look the part. And then the last thing I'll say is just hustle. Hustle and effort go a long way and really help towards your believability when people see that you are hustling and putting effort in to improve and make the game better. So there are times, Dave, in a game where we have to enforce certain behaviors that require a technical foul, and it is truly just a technical foul. But at times it comes in emotional situations. So describe the importance of the mechanics in those emotionally charged situations or even when there's uncertainty as well-trained rules officials that we might be of an unusual play. How do we walk through those so it's both in a positive light and even if there's some doubt in the crew? Here, mechanics are very important that we are signaling what needs to happen. Okay, So if we had a technical foul, we need to properly signal, properly report it so our partners know exactly what uh, is going to happen. Something that I always tell myself is call myself. Call myself, call my partners. That's the first thing you have to do when you get an emotionally charged 
event, whether it's multiple technical fouls, whatever the case may be, calm yourself. Okay. If you're out of control or, or can't think clearly, that's when we adjudicate things wrong. That's when we uh, misplays. That's when we can't communicate effectively. Okay. So calm yourself and then calm your partners. Okay. If it's their call, go up to them, clarify what happened. Okay. No, no worries. Take a deep breath. Um, we're going to go down to that end. We'll shoot two, and then we'll go to, to half court, and we'll, we'll inbound the ball. No big deal. It's just another call. Uh, let's move forward from here. Um, you know, if if I had a difficult call, and especially if I knew that I kicked it and got it wrong, um, I do a lot of self-talk. You know, hey, own your primary. Own the primary. Stay in your primary. Don't miss the next one. Get this one. Here it comes whatever it is to get myself ready for the next play. Um, and that's just trying to get in the mental mindset, you know, of what's going to happen or what could happen. Essential that we adjudicate whatever needs to happen properly. Okay. Um, a lot of times when we get all caught up and emotional, we are amped up ourselves. Um, we complicate things or make things worse by adjudicating it improperly okay so if we had a, a tough call technical file adjudicate it properly communicate and adjudicate it properly and you can get you can get past that tough call no problem so dave you mentioned quite a bit particularly at the table using the voice as a way in rare situations um using additional information to tell a story to help portray some believability you mentioned hustling the table. How else does the body language, once you've stopped to report, help your believability and your projection of strength? But And then talk a little bit about, have you heard the philosophy or can share, whether it's a triangle um, that you're reporting into or square above your shoulders? What might be the, the best body language projection of strength when signaling at the table? Really, it depends on your personality and your size. Okay. So if you are a super tall person, you can get away with doing it at your chest level, okay? If you are a shorter person, you want to project bigger, stronger, um, you're going to do it maybe up by your, in front of your eyes, okay? I do it right in front of my eyes. I make con eye contact with the score, and I hold my hands right in front of my eye just so that I know that I'm looking at them, they're looking at me, and they're seeing exactly what I'm putting right in front of my eyes. I think that that's one of the biggest opportunities to to sell your call right there is, is how you report it um, and the strength that you use when you're, when you're reporting it. When I hustle over to the table, I'll stop. I'll, I'll make eye contact with the score. Or maybe even if a coach has a question or whatever or whatever, I'll just tell them, hang on, man. I'll get you with it. I'll get you in a minute. Do uh, the, the fall reporting and then if the coach has a question, that's when I would address that or answer the question. You can't be answering questions when you're trying to report it and don't do it before. Do you, do your personality. Don't let the coach take you out of your rhythm or, or how you go and report. And that body language, are, are you keeping your signals up at at least a, a chest level? You're not bringing them down or what, what does body language portray if you're doing a hold or anything like that? I always say the higher, the better. I mean, you don't want to be arms extended over your head, 
but if it's a hold, again, high is strong. If it's down low, down by your waist, it just looks weak. Um, same thing with a hit. People swing down and it's down by their hip. No, raise it up in front of your face so that everybody can see it. I I always say like it's a it's your show. It's your create a box right around from your shoulders to your head down to your chest. Keep everything right in that area when you're reporting. Um, it's just strong, believable, and uh, everybody can see it. And I I think that eye contact is very important with a score. That if you are looking down at the ground or trying to avoid eye contact, even with like a coach after you report it, it, it just shows weakness, okay? Don't be afraid to look somebody in the eye and tell them whatever. I, even if I got the call wrong, I'll look at the coach in his eye and be like, hey, tough call. You might be right, but you get a lot more respect by doing that and being able to look people in the eye and communicate than looking down at the ground. Yeah, and also there's scenarios where you have scorekeepers and timers that aren't even looking at you, right? You're making the signal, and they're looking down or they're looking somewhere else. That's where you have to address that early in a game. At least that's what I do. Is that what you do? Oh, yeah. I thought those scores were only in my game. I didn't know that other people had those same, same <laughs> issues. <laughs> uh, yes, that's common. I think it's common common at times. Not to throw them under the bus, but it, it does happen. Well, Dave, uh, really appreciate coming on to talk mechanics. Uh, a lot of great advice, insight, and uh, best practices when it comes to good in-game mechanics for basketball officials. Uh, thanks again for the time, and enjoy the rest of your season. Thank you, Lance. Thank you, Justin. That's our guest this week on WBOA Courtside, Dave Garish, longtime Southeastern Wisconsin high school and collegiate basketball official. I'd like to thank Justin Marion for joining me. Josh Mansky, the man behind it all, our executive producer. And of course, you for listening and tuning in every week. If you want to learn more about the Wisconsin Basketball Officials Association and how to become an official, please go to our website, wisboa.net. That's wisboa.net. Net. And if you like this episode and any of our episodes, please leave us a review on your favorite hosting platform. That will do it for this week on WBOA Courtside. We look forward to talking basketball officiating with you next week on WBOA Courtside.